For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. And Danielle. Hello, Danielle. Hello, Richard. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special show. Tonight, we are simulcast on my YouTube channel, as well as Danielle's. Uh, so whatever channel you're on, please leave a comment on either of our channels. Uh, each like, each comment, uh, each share uh, lets other people know about our channels. And it also helps us with our analytics, which is a great way to start the new year. Today is Vision Board Sunday, uh, Saturday. 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 Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, it's been a long week. Uh, it's Vision Board Saturday. And tonight we are going to be celebrating not only vision boards and how we both use them in our lives, uh, but we're also going to be talking about some of our favorite self-help books. But before we begin, Danielle, who or what are you celebrating today? Well, to be honest, as I always strive to be, today's not a great celebration day for me. Uh, anyone who would like to share or send prayers, a cousin of mine is back in the hospital and uh, it is quite serious. So not exactly celebrating, but I am celebrating him and, um, you know, whatever is best to happen with his health. So anyone who would like to send prayers, that's really appreciated. Well, let's celebrate his spirit. Yes. Let's celebrate his soul and yes. let's celebrate that the right thing is going to happen. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. And what about you? What are you celebrating today? I'm celebrating you. I'm celebrating yes. the fact that, you know, we made it here uh, before we went live. I was going crazy because I was looking for my copy with all of its notes in it of the magic of believing. Yes. Which of course is the first real self-help book. Those of you who know my story know that it's such an integral part of my uh, story. As a matter of fact, I did a whole show called The Magic of Believing uh, because that was the book that changed my life when I was 13 years old. For those who have heard the story, I reiterate, for those who haven't, uh, you're hearing it for the first time. Uh, but when I was 13 years old on August 5th, 1974, I was reading The Magic of Believing. And in the book, there's a passage and it says, set your goal on a, uh, set your mind on a goal like a homing pigeon and go after it with dogged determination. I don't know what it was at that moment, Daniel, but something came over me. I closed the book and I went in and I said to my parents, five years from today, I'm going to New York. I know, it's amazing. And and my parents looked at me like I was speaking in tongues or I was speaking in a foreign language yeah. or something. And they looked at me like I was completely off my rocker, uh, something my mom still does. Uh, but they looked at me like I was just completely out of my mind. And But my mind was made up. And so every year on August 5th, leading up to the day that I left for New York on August 5th, 1979, I would announce... Four years from today, I'm going to New York, three years from now, and on until the day arrived. And on August 5th, 1979, I got on a plane with $500 in my pocket. I had never flown anywhere. I had never been outside of uh, any tra traveling uh, other than traveling with my family to right. North Carolina 
North and South Carolina was it for me. I had never slept in another bed, except when I stayed at my grandparents. Uh, I just did not know anything about the world, but I did it. Well, you know, it's been my experience that when you make a decision, the universe wants to respond in kind because so much of our lives and even so much of our faith and our religious practices have taught us uh, to not make decisions. You know, how much of our prayers and how much of our day is about the indecision and about dealing with what could potentially happen, even what we want to happen, but not actually making a decision either way. And so then it's a little bit wishy-washy. The universe and higher power doesn't exactly know how to respond respond and deliver to that. So it's more of a crapshoot. But when you make a decision, it is very, very powerful. Now, sometimes we need to do some self-work to put the belief behind the decision. You already had that in place, but depending on what it is, uh, let's say you had believed or bought into your parents thinking that was crazy, it might have taken a little longer. Uh, So everyone's a little bit different between how the universe will respond to those decisions based on your uh, perception and any woundings you may carry, which is actually also why I find um, self-help and self-development so important and why I always um, mix mental health things in with my spiritual works that I do with my clients as well, because you can know all the spiritual knowledge there is, but if you're not able to control your own mental health and your own emotions and, and fields, then it's very hard to put those spiritual practices is into place and actually also receive. Absolutely. And, you know, it's very interesting because in my own spiritual practice, um, I believe that every day is a meditation. Uh, Every action we take, every choice, every decision, uh, it's part of that meditative process. I was reading an article on New Year's Day, and it said that every day of our lives, we are doing two things. Uh, and we're doing them simultaneously. We are becoming and we are dying. From the moment that we come through the birth canal, we are in the process of dying. Our cells are dying every day. Uh, I'm also reading a wonderful book, um, and it's a book that I want uh, to get to Rosie, uh, and it's seven uh, days. Uh, Our body goes through these cycles uh, in seven day cycles that I'm learning about, Mm -hmm. Um, and we can really train our bodies to go along health-wise with these cycles because everything happens. And I'm telling you, this year, everyone, is a very powerful year uh, because this year is a seven. And this year also uh, is, uh, I'm finding that the number seven is popping up everywhere for me. I'm a seven. uh, You're a seven? Yes. (laughs) Spiritual Uh, all the way. (laughs) I am a one uh, when it comes to, I mean, my life path number is a one. Uh, Is it a one? And then I'm a three and there's a seven. Maybe you can break them down for me. Uh, but so they're uh, different. There are different. There's life path number, which is kind of your overall uh, field and and your 
life. And then there's personality number, which is more so how others and the world see you. Um, there's different things that you can do with numerology. And it's really not that difficult to look up. What you do is um, you correlate the alphabet to numbers between one and nine. And then there are different kind of uh, math equations that you could do with the letters of your name or your birth date to find your set of numbers. So that's really easy to look up and find online. And then you can match it um, with how your numbers play into things like other people's numbers in terms of relationships. And also, as Richard is talking about, the number of the year. So um, last year we were in a year six, which is more so a number of Venus and the goddess and a lot of divine feminine things were happening last year. And then this year we're in a year seven. So seven is a number of spirituality. Um, as I was telling people, um, now it's important to remember in a seven, this could be a year it's not necessarily a year of all love and light. It depends on you because spirituality can take you to the highest heights, but it can also take you through a dark night of the soul if you have a lot of things that you want to release. It can take you to a new level of your awakening. And as Richard was saying, we are simultaneously becoming and dying. So in new phases and new levels of awakening, we are uh, releasing old belief systems and old relationships sometimes old karmas. So new levels of awakening can feel really great when we get used to that knowledge. But the in-between, that transition from one level of consciousness to another uh, can feel scary sometimes or can put you through bouts of purge or sickness on occasion um, because you will be releasing a lot of what you've carried up until that point. Absolutely. And I, and, you know, speaking of karma, you know, I want everyone to know that we all have the ability to change our karma on a yes. daily basis uh, with the actions that we take, with the words that we use, uh, with how we interact with one another. Uh, it's what we put out in the world. If you make a conscious effort to go out into the world, putting positivity out in the world, it's going to come back to you. It's very interesting, this new show that I'm writing. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the word yes and the word no mm -hmm. and how the word no has shaped my life. Uh, performing as Carol for many, many years, uh, there were certain perceptions that went with that word. And it's very interesting right now, I saw in the news the other night, it's very, you know, how words and certain things define us. When I was performing as Carol, when this may be going a little off topic, so please forgive me if it is. That's fine. Uh, but uh, when I was performing as uh, Carol, I did not want to be called a drag performer under any circumstances. I considered myself an actor who was playing a role. Hmm. But I am hearing on the news in 14 states right now, since 2023, since we've gone into this new year, it is fast becoming law that it will be illegal for drag shows to be performed in certain states um, unless they are listed as quote unquote adult entertainment. Mm -hmm. And parents who take their kids to drag shows can be arrested for taking their kids to these shows. And these are certain laws that are going into effect right now. 
And it's something that we all need to, we take for granted uh, that certain things that we enjoy doing, anything, what you and I are doing right now, if someone found offense with what you and I are talking about or something, they could easily try to ban us doing what we're doing. And as simple as that sounds, it could easily happen. Right. And, you know, I've correlated the past few years a lot with what we went through in World War II. There was a lot of um, astrological and energetic connections between karmas that happened then. And uh, as we all know, Nazi movement and Nazi bands and lessons that are cycling back around and karmas that are cycling back around. Personally, I've done a lot of work energetically uh, clearing a lot of that energy uh, because people forget that the Nazis studied occultism. They went all around the world studying this. And so they did their best to make energetic imprints. And so things are sort of coming full circle to where we are now in the past few years. There's a lot of Saturn energy, as Sherry Callahan could probably tell us. And um, we have to remember that when we're triggered by something, we need to examine first, in my opinion, if it needs to become a law to ban it, or or if it can just be something that we advocate is maybe not recommended for people in our particular sphere, in our particular family. Uh, because personally, I would not take children in my family to a drag show, not because there's anything wrong with it. I just don't think that's an environment for children. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be legally banned. But also, I think as adults, the performers and us go to events like that to be a little bit raunchy and to not have to worry about censoring ourselves. And when there's children in the room, you tend to want to censor the self. You know, if I can address that, uh, I was performing as Carol because I did have a lot of children that would see me because I was, and I would have parents would ask me, there was yeah. never anything offensive in my well, audience. Well, it, it depends on the performer. For example, exactly. if someone's going to see a drag show of Cher, where most of her costumes are almost naked, I don't think Cher drag show is an appropriate thing for children. You I are, think you are correct. Uh, yeah. I agree with you on that. But I also want to go uh, along those lines that I think that a, a lot of entertainers whether they're drag entertainers, comedians especially. Danny, for example, he does not want to go to a comedy show Mm -hmm. because comedians tend to attack members of the audience. uh, And it's something that makes him very uncomfortable. I I don't care how you uh, sugarcoat it. To me, uh, a lot of comedy is based on bullying. And I'm not a fan of bullying. Uh, well, and also a lot of comics are dealing with um, bullying that they dealt with in their childhood. It's how they became funny. And so that does tend to carry over. But as you were saying, I think it should be a personal decision. I don't think there should be laws around that. We need to decide for ourselves and our own families what environments are appropriate without needing to distrust our own decisions to the point where we need to involve the law in things like that, especially things that are not actually hurting anyone. There's no need to police such things, in my opinion. Well, let's talk about the things that we do want in our lives. Yes. Yes. That's what the, uh, and let's start with vision boards. Um, As you can see here, I have a whiteboard that's behind me. And I have uh, certain things on it, like, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, and since we are talking about self-help books today, yeah. uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention one of my favorites, and that's Let That Go. That's right. Uh, 
which I do read. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned from Kasira is to replace the word uh, need or desire with require. And so I've replaced the word desire, uh, like instead of saying I desire uh, more bookings in 2023, to say I require more bookings in 2023. And then break that down to what I need to do, uh, what I have to do, what I am required to do uh, in order to get those bookings. Uh, so I have this whiteboard and I also want to recommend everyone you may want to take notes tonight. Uh, there's a company uh, called, uh, there's a, actually, it's called a vision board planner. Mm -hmm. And I actually use this uh, because there are, uh, there are prompts, as you can see here, like we've got health, career, family, business, love, mindset, home, travel, lifestyle. You can see my little stars next to you. Um, and I meditate on the, I will pick a word and I will meditate. Those of you know who watch the show that I pick a word each day and I think about that word um, throughout the day. And I find that when I pull that word first thing in the morning, that though that word somehow seems to creep into uh, the, my day throughout the day. I will hear it on television. I will hear it from friends that I'm talking with. Um, and each time it's like a eureka moment for me that that particular word uh, resonates over and over and over with me. Maybe it's because- So what you're doing there is you're actually playing a part in your own predictive programming. So universally as a collective through the media and things, we receive a lot of predictive programming, um, but through our own energy fields and through our own lives, we can receive predictive programming from our past patterns, from our beliefs, from our, our thoughts and the way that our thoughts are patterned. If we believe in ourselves or if we don't, if we're fearful or if we're loving. And so by you deciding on a word, you're kind of implementing your own predictive program there and allowing it to be received and show up in your physical reality. Absolutely. Um, do you use vision boards yourself? I actually have switched over to vision uh, journaling. Um, I, I find this was recommended to me actually by a friend, um, Claudia Olivos, who I have her, her deck. This is her Oracle card deck, Sacred Mothers and Goddesses Oracle. And uh, she's a, a channeled artist. Everything she creates, she channels the pieces. And uh, she recommended to me to switch over to a journal, which I really love um, because sometimes the boards are a little bit hard to place. Mm -hmm. Personally, I don't like to have anyone else see um, what I'm manifesting because people, other people looking at it uh, can tend to invite their energy or their opinion into what you're manifesting, which I really don't recommend. Yeah. So um, boards are a little bit more difficult. You don't want to be in a position where you're trying to hide what you want to manifest because that's not a good energy either, but you don't want to invite that in. So I like having it in. Uh, I know you have the planner, but I kind of make my own blank journal. And mm -hmm. then what yeah, I tend to. Well. Yes. Yeah. 
And I, I like it that way because you can continue to add to it. Um, you can designate certain groups of pages to the different categories like you have. Um, I tend to do that, like have a few pages, let's say for um, body, a few pages for physical manifestations that you want to create. Uh, you can do some pages for lifestyle or for health. Um, personally, I like to recommend that I know a lot of people are kind of conditioned to get magazines. Uh, to cut out photos and things to create their vision boards. That's fine. Um, I like to um, print pages because I, I actually don't get a lot of print magazines anymore. Um, but if you are getting photos that contain other people or are from other sources other than photos you've taken or things that you've created, I recommend that you cleanse those items first energetically before putting them into your vision board or into your vision journal. Because what you want to do is you want to put it in as a blank slate. You don't want the photographers or the, the photo subjects energy in there, especially if you're, let's say, manifesting something with health or physique and you're using example bodies to try to look like something, not that there would be anything wrong with your body, but I know that's something a lot of people do. Um, so if you're doing that, you actually don't know the health of that person. You're just going by the shape. So what you want to do is energetically cleanse it. You can do this with light. You can do this with crystals. Um, you can light some sage or incense and take the pages or the, the clippings that you're going to use and uh, let it go through the smoke and just let it be wiped clean energetically of anything else that anybody in those photos has carried. And instead, then you can program your own beliefs and wants and needs into that. You bring up a very interesting point. Last night I was watching Glass Onion. Have you seen it? No. Uh, I love this film. I recommend it, everyone. It's a fun whodunit film in the uh, vein of Agatha Christie and everything. But Ed Norton, who I love, is in the film. And uh, he plays this very successful man. I don't want to give away too much of the story. Okay. But when you see the way that his lifestyle, the way he lives, uh, the way he dresses, his home uh, in Greece. And when I see all this, I go, oh, my God, you know, to live like that. And then as the film unfolds, you see what he did to get there. And I think that this film, although I'm sure it was not the intent of the writers and everyone, it's a perfect lesson in karma, mm -hmm. this film. I mean, go and watch this film. Uh, it, it, and it should be taught in karmics, you know, in classes on karma and everything. Uh, those of you who have seen the film, uh, you may, you know, want to respond to it or something. Uh, but it is a perfect lesson in karma and how we do that. Um, when when it comes to self-help books for yourself, hmm. do you have a particular criteria or something that you're looking for when you're looking for a, a self-help book? Or do you find that I find that the self-help books somehow find me. Yeah, I mean, everything I read, everything I watch is guided by spirit. So um, I kind of have a distinction as someone who works with a lot of different types of people and a lot of different types of issues. Actually, um, Temple Grandin is an inspiration to me because how she talks about building up her database. That's something that I was doing before I came across her work that spirit just had me naturally do because of the way that spirit connects with me. They like me to have some form of reference in my brain so that when they're communicating, 
waiting for someone else, they could tap that and bring the memory back so that I can get as close to what they want to share as possible. So I read self-help and self-development both for myself, for clients that I currently have or know, and also guided that I may not know how that that topic fits, but I know that spirit wants me to add it to my database for a reason. Um, so I always say follow your gut with that, follow your intuition, and also be aware if you're a spiritual person, there tends to be a phenomenon where you buy books, whether they're physical, digital, audio, you buy them, you're really attracted to them, and then maybe you start it or maybe it, it sits there for a while and you thought you were going to read the whole thing and for whatever reason it falls to the wayside and then something comes up and that book comes back to your mind. So this happens a lot. I've had clients who the book then falls off the shelf. They never read it. They stocked up on books. It falls off the shelf. It opens to the perfect page at the perfect time. That tends to happen a lot with self-help or self-development or spiritual books if you are someone who is used to being guided by spirit. So try not to get hard on yourself if you're trying to get through a book and you find that there's some resistance there. You may want to check in and say, is this maybe best for another time? And if the answer is yes, be gentle with yourself and go with that because uh, I've done that plenty of times and I would not have been ready for that information at that first reading. But when it comes back around again, it's a perfect fit. Well, I think that's a great idea also in terms of purchasing books. Yes. I mean, if it's something, I mean, because I, bookstores and I, if I walk into a bookstore, inevitably I'm going to walk out with something. Yeah. Uh, and but uh, there is a rule of thumb if a title or something, you know, really grabs you, um, unless it's something that you have been thinking about. Right. Um, think about it for 72 hours. Let it resonate in your brain yeah. and see if it's something. And then in 72 hours, if, if it's something that's just you have to have it, then go back and get it. You know, yeah. and uh, because I mean, Amazon loves me because I have books arriving every single day that are coming here. So I'm a huge, um, you know, uh, I mean, my shelves are full of these books. Um, like I said, I couldn't even find my magic of believing. It's, it's, it's somewhere in, in, the, in the moment this show is over, it's going to fall off the shelf. Probably. I and know. books are great. Physical books or digital, however anybody likes to read. Um, you can do a practice called bibliomancy, where you open the book randomly and um, you pick a line and that's an answer to a question that you may have. So this has become popular with social media and um you know, them saying, oh, get the book next to you and the 17th word of the 18th page or something like that. And inevitably, it does mean something. Um, but this is a very, very old practice of being able to divine information out of books. So that may be something that would be helpful to someone. Matter of fact, I think there there is a Natalie Wood movie when she's very young. I can't remember the title right now, but you may know it or someone here knows it, I'm sure. When she's very young, it might have been the movie that she broke her wrist in where she actually does this with with the book uh in, in a spiritual sense um morning star i'm not sure okay it was it was around from i think it was from 45 Okay. 45 or 47. Um, but this is a very, very old practice. People have been doing this with Bibles or other books for centuries. What is, uh, you know, a moment where 
a, a moment like that has happened with you or something mm -hmm. jumped out at you and you went, oh my God, this is something that I had not been expecting. And that answer was there all, all along. Is there it's kind of my every day. <laughs> it's hard to pick one. <laughs> I mean, spirits constantly surprising me. They'll, they'll use noises in the heater or a bird showing up and making a noise to answer something. Uh, it really depends on, on you as a person and what's going to get your attention. Um, a lot of people find those moments or train themselves for those moments by getting things like tarot or oracle cards and then getting used to that process of actually getting answers. Um, now, whether you believe that's coming from spirit or whether you believe that's coming from your own unconscious, that's totally up to you. Um, there are different schools of thought on that, um, but you will get an answer. You ask a question or you make a decision and the universe will respond. Well, let's talk about some of our favorite self-help books. Okay. And anyone who's watching, if you have any questions for Danielle or myself, yes. comments, suggestions, throw them out. We'll bring you right on. And if you want to come on camera, we can arrange that too. So um, um, do you want to start or should I start? Sure. Um, well, I know that we, we connected over recommending Martha Beck, um, yeah. which I don't, had you heard of her previous to the recommendation? I wasn't familiar with her, but now I've been delving into her. Yeah, she's I, a I phenomenal writer. I took your suggestion. I'm going to wait. She, you said yeah. she has a new book coming out on creativity. Yes, she has a new book coming out soon on creativity. Her most recent book is The Way of Integrity. If anybody has been through a dark night of the soul or you think you might be going through a dark night of the soul, I really recommend that one. Uh, it's called The Way of Integrity. It's like a white cover with a little yellow circle. Um, the audiobook is also great. She reads that particular audiobook. I love to do immersive reading where, especially if the author is reading it, where you can actually train your brain if you are able to afford both the audiobook and the physical or get it from your library. Uh, if you listen and read at the same time, it does wonderful things for your brain and for your consciousness. But that book is all, all based on Dante's Inferno, actually, and the trip that he took through the, the levels of hell and how she's translated that um, to do self-work going through shadow work and dark nights of the soul. So that's really a phenomenal one for anyone, especially this year, if you find that you're going through a dark night or a new level of awakening, that's really a great one. And everything by her I enjoy, including um, her wife and herself have a podcast called called um, Be Wildered. And uh, she does a Sunday afternoon group called The Gathering Room. She's very, very inspiring. She's a life coach as well. Oh, that's wonderful. So her new book is coming out when? I'm not sure. She's still working on it. She talks about it and gives updates in that gathering room. She does. But she also um, has a novel that's based on spirituality called Diana Herself. Uh, she has a book called um, Finding Your North Star. So she, really, she's um, very varied. She was uh, ex-Mormon. And um, she has a child also with Down syndrome. And mm -hmm. so her life story is really amazing. She's um, very intuitive. She creates art for a lot of her works also. And um, she discovered later in life, leaving Mormonism, that she was gay. And um, wonderful, phenomenal, inspirational uh, writer there. Well, I had a very uh, interesting thing happen to me today because on Friday... Yeah. Uh, my Friday wrap-up show that's coming up this week. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I'm still putting it together, but I have writers who have written books about creativity. And uh, actually this book is called Create. It's an amazing book. It's, it was an expensive book to get, but I got the book. I don't know if I can. Oh, right. This was the one you were telling me about. Yes. So I don't know, look at the third paragraph up from the bottom and look at the uh, at one of the names on the, do you see it? I can't see, no. Does it, it say her name? It's my name. It's Rick your name? As an inspiration. There you go. I could not believe it. So I, it was meant for you. I screamed when I saw that. Today. Well, you know, in my I experience, no the universe does things like that because maybe you felt some resistance about getting the book or it was hard to find. You weren't sure if it was the right book because it took such lengths to get. And so you have that as a validation saying, yeah, you did the right thing. Good investment. Good job. <laughs> so I, went on, I went to Amazon. The hardback uh, version of this was $75. Hmm. So I called him and I said, do you have any suggestions? And he says, go and get the paperback through my website. So that's what I did. It was still, you know, $45 to get this mm -hmm. book, but I, I bit the bullet and I ordered it and then got, and then as I'm reading it today and my name popped out as an inspiration and I was blown away. I mean, it <laughs> just, I, I mean, I did not expect it. So that was real talk about validation. That was a real nice validation. Yeah. And in my experience, the universe will give you validation if you need it or ask for it. Um, where it can get sticky is if you get too attached to needing the validation or mm -hmm. too attached to needing the signs, then what can start to happen. And I've trained clients with this is sometimes the universe, um, will think that the sign is all you want or need. So what tends to happen is people that get very attached to the signs or the validation points, that's all they tend to get um, because they get so excited for the sign instead of kind of calmly receiving it and saying, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I know the rest is on its way. People kind of get the reaction with the sign that they would get if they actually receive the thing. And then sometimes the universe says, oh, that's all they wanted. We don't have to give the rest. Well, so that's. This was totally unexpected. Yeah. So. That's something to keep in mind though, when manifesting uh, and, and especially when using your vision boards, because um, you will start to get signs, especially because vision boards are all about putting things into your awareness. Um, they tend to work better for people that need a kind of visual and, and physical example. And so you're, putting focus on that thing so that you can see it mirrored in your reality. And what will start to happen is like you with how you get the word that you choose throughout the day, the universe wants to respond and will start giving you signs of the things that you're manifesting. But remember to keep your energy in check so that you can continue the path that the sides, that the signs are leading you down and not just stop at the sign. Well, I love your suggestion. I mean, it wasn't really a suggestion, but I like the idea of the vision journal mm -hmm. because this is cumbersome. It takes yeah. up space in my office yeah. and uh, I I would prefer, you know, to have something a little bit more private as well. I mean, a lot of people don't come into my office, obviously, uh, but I am a real proponent and again, Carol once said to me, uh, there are those who do, and there are those who talk about what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't really go out and announce 
you know, a lot of what's coming up for me. I mean, like my shows, my newsletter comes out once a week. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of people say, well, how do I find you? And I go, sign up for the newsletter. It's there. Uh, because I am not that person who's going to go out there talking about things that are not etched in stone yet. Uh, because I've been burned a few times in the past. I mean, years ago, I was scheduled to be on the, I, I would, I was asked to be on the Conan O'Brien show. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got to the studio and uh, it turned out that the sketch uh, was something that I truly uh, did not want to be um, a part of. Uh, so um, I, uh, I opted not to do the sketch uh, but I had already been asked to do it, and I essentially told the world to look for me the next night on the Conan O'Brien show. And then the next day when I got there, I said, this is not something that I want to do. And, uh, you know, and there I was with egg on my face. So now if I'm doing something, you know, then after it's out there for the world to see, then I will say, go, you can see this. Or and I will going- also... I would also suggest if you have something like you with a a whiteboard, remember to transfer that to someplace because whiteboards are made to be erased. Mm -hmm. So transfer that to someplace more physical, um, use pens or markers, let's say, instead of pencils or crayons when you're using and doing your vision boarding or journaling. I like the journaling as well because you can write things um, if that's more your style. And you can also doodle because remember, if you are going about the process of creating and you're using your physical self as well as your eyes and and thoughts to create, um, you're putting more of your energy into it and your brain is getting more used to the idea of creating and receiving that thing. Well, I'd like to talk about one of my favorite uh, books, and uh, it's The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Are you familiar with any of Julia's books? Yes, I did. I did read The Artist's Way, and it's very much in line with so many other spiritual um, traditions. So I I feel like she took an amalgam of a lot of spiritual traditions and put her own stamp on it to create this thing that I know is very successful for many people. And she has a whole slew of books. Mm-hmm. A lot of what she talks about is repeated in other books. And each time she has a new book coming out, uh, I purchase the book because to me, the reiteration is also very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, just to let everyone know, if you're not familiar with Julia Cameron, uh, there are several thing, uh, modalities that she really believes in. And one is the morning pages, Uh, which I do every morning. And she calls it a mind dump uh, where you are just basically on three pages, putting all your thoughts on paper. It's not for publication. It's not for anyone else. Uh, That goes along the lines of what you're saying. It's it's private. It goes Mm -hmm. into a journal. Um, You know, I was in a workshop with a, a, a few people and there was someone in the group who did not want to do the morning pages because she was afraid that somebody would eventually see it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I made the suggestion to her that she do the morning pages, then she take, uh, and then after she do them, she shred them and turn, turn it to confetti. Mm-hmm. So now she does her morning pages on various uh, colored paper, and then she makes confetti out of it, and she uses it for holidays and everything. <laughs> and she's been doing all this confetti out of it. And she's actually done artwork based on her confetti ideas. 
That's beautiful. And I know a lot of people keep journals, um, whether they're morning page journals or traditional journaling for a certain period of time and then feel like the process of burning them or shredding them or releasing them any way you're called is helpful to eliminating certain parts of their journey. I know some people like to keep them forever, um, but sometimes that act of, of dumping everything and then maybe re-examining it at a certain point in your life and saying, I am really not that person anymore. And I really don't have that outlook on life or that style of complaining or worrying the way that I once did. And I want to do something physical to purge that from my life. I don't want to carry it around physically anymore. And by destroying it physically, that's also going to help me purge it from myself energetically and mentally. So there is no right or wrong thing to do in terms of writing or journaling or any of these practices. It really is what you're called to do. So uh, I recommend follow more than one modality or at least learn more than one modality and then pick and choose the parts that call to your soul and also be willing to release them if you outgrow them at any point. Absolutely. I have this calendar, everyone knows, and I just got the new one. It's the uh, Be Kind Everyday calendar. From um, Howard, right? Well, no, I just ordered this new one for myself. Oh, okay. Howard, Howard was the one who originally got me. Today is the 14th, mm -hmm. so I'm pulling this daily act of kindness, and this is um, my request of everybody watching, including you, Danielle. Okay. So it says, make a decision to not use well, this is easy for me because I don't really do this. It says, make a decision to not use curse words or foul language today. Hmm. <laughs> That's easy because I don't. I don't it. think I did today. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I'm very Italian and I don't mind a curse word. Uh, no, if I stop my toe, trust me. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm not I, a prude. Yeah, I don't really, I don't find anything terribly wrong with any words as long as they're not being used to hurt other people. I Thank think if you. it's help, if, as long as it's helping you express and you're not intending harm to someone else, um, there are very few words that, that are actually harmful. Although magically, if you want to discuss that, that's a whole different discussion, but it's the same thing. Everything you do or say, if you do it with a positive intention and a respect for others, uh, then I don't see anything wrong with it. But Saying too many curse words can be a detriment depending on your career uh, or who you're speaking to. They can uh, sometimes give the wrong impression that you don't necessarily want to give. So that's something to keep in mind, even if your intentions are good. Well, we, again, are living in a time right now where words are starting to be politicized. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, uh, in uh, Arkansas, uh, the word Latinx is now banned. Mm. And this is not even a word that I was that that familiar with. Yeah, I'm seeing our uh, pundits the other night talking about it. And it's a younger generation who have embraced this word. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are certain words that were part of my generation uh, that were considered derogatory terms that okay. now younger generations have embraced it because they want to own it rather than having it be used against them as derogatory uh, terms 
Mm -hmm. That's why I like to use the word queer because it was derogatory. Well, initially it was a positive meaning just unique and then it was used derogatory. And now I like to use it as, as unique. I have a unique definition to my sexuality. So um, in that context, yes. I mean, the N word, for example, or certain words like that, I would personally never use no matter the intention. And I'm not necessarily comfortable um, even really hearing them. I know that there are generations, especially in music of people who use those uh, with positive intention and an ownership. And I respect and appreciate their right to do that and kind of take the negative power out of the word. But that's not something personally I would ever use. So it really, it's all about every, it's the same as everything. It's all about self-examination and being willing to tap into what is right and truthful and respectful for you and the way you want to see and be seen by the world. I look at, you know, we've gotten caught up in this Did I freeze or did you freeze? Can you let me know in the comments, did I freeze or did Richard freeze? <laughs> Richard's frozen. Okay, so you could still see me. Sorry if you saw me awkwardly clicking. All right, so Richard froze. Thank you, Alan and Sherry. Um, so good thing we're still broadcasting. So you guys can ask me questions in the comments. Sometimes that happens, especially uh, when we're talking spiritual things. Um, but I know we were talking about words. If anybody has any other questions about um, vision boards or vision journals, spiritual practice questions, um, or if you want to talk about self-help books some more, uh, I know that I was also recommending, and you can see some of the things that Richard and I recommend in the thumbnail overlay that I created for tonight. Um, but one of the books that I really recommend to people is Codependent No More by Melody Beadle, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. I've never actually heard her last name pronounced. Um, but that's one I really highly recommend to everyone because especially spiritual people tend to be more caretakers of the world. We tend to have issues with codependency. If we're empaths, we tend to worry about what other people are thinking about our behavior. We may overly anticipate and try to provide for the needs of others. And all of that falls under the umbrella of codependency. So Codependent No More by Melody Beadle is really, that, that was a life changer for me and for a lot of people that I know, um, whether they're spiritual spiritual or not. It's just really a wonderful self-help and mental health book. Uh, as I said, I'm someone who loves to combine all of those things. So if you've ever struggled with codependency or anxious thoughts about people's reactions, that's a wonderful one to tap into. Um, there is also another one that I recommend in the lines of that, because if you struggle with codependency, you probably also struggle with boundaries. And many of you I know are empaths. 
empaths tend to struggle with boundaries. And so there is a wonderful book called Boundary Boss by Terry Cole, T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. She is incredible and her voice is beautiful. So I highly recommend the audiobook on that one as well, Boundary Boss. Um, she has a wonderful Instagram where she goes live occasionally. And uh, she is a, a therapist and her tips and stories on boundaries are wonderful. That book also has a uh, script of suggested conversations uh, to implement those boundaries. So if you're someone who maybe has learned about boundaries, but not entirely sure what to say, and you aren't necessarily ready to have a session with a therapist or a coach or a healer uh, like myself, um, you might want to take the suggestions for conversations that are in that book. So that one, again, is Boundary Boss. Um, I know Richard was talking about the magic of believing. That's a wonderful one for manifesting and getting to know and believe in your own power. Um, I also love books by um, Neville Goddard for that. Florence Scovel Shin is another wonderful manifestation author. A lot of these books are um, from the early 1900s. During that time, people were more getting into the transition into the fourth dimension. So if you read a lot of those books or if you listen to them, because a lot of them have been transferred to things like YouTube now, um, if you listen, you probably will hear them talk about manifesting things in the fourth dimension. Now, of course, now where we are, we are transitioning into the fifth dimension way and beyond. Um, but a lot of those things can still apply and they are very inspirational. I'm just going to read Alan's um, comment here. Alan says, reinforcing, reinforcing one's boundaries is refreshing. I was thinking of boundaries when the topic of codependency came up. Yeah, codependency and boundaries go hand in hand, and boundaries are very, very important for empaths. So if you're an empath, there he is. <laughs> Everything went out. Yeah, Everything. that's okay. Did the lights go out too? Everything. Uh, well, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, uh, hold on a second, because we're being spammed. Uh, okay. I don't know if you're seeing the spam here. Uh, I'm not seeing it since you blocked them. I'm just seeing Sherry and Alan so far. Okay. Uh, let me spam this person. Um, uh, I, it, it was so bizarre. Everything just went completely out all of a sudden. Sometimes uh, spirit redirects us. So we were, we were getting back to talking about books and, uh, and vision boards. So that's uh, fine. Well, Alan posted that he heard a loud thunder at 4.43, and the moment he posted that, everything went out. Wow. So whatever happened in San Francisco also happened here, too. So well, I I didn't know if I was frozen, so luckily Sherry and, and um, Alan told me that I was still good, so we just, we just picked no, it up. No, thank God. You continue to go on, but... <laughs> I I just went out into the uh, I just disappeared completely. You went through the Willy Wonka machine and came back. <laughs> <laughs> so, See, that's how my thinking in pictures brain works. I don't know what happened, but uh, there we were. So uh, so I'm back. So okay. I don't know what I missed, but I will see it on the instant replay later. Yes, you'll see me being awkward checking if I was frozen or not. And then we jumped into talking about uh, other 
self-help and self-development books. So we were talking about codependency no more. And then we were also talking about um, boundary boss and Alan was uh, reiterating that that resonates for him. And we're talking about how as empaths and spiritual people, codependency and boundaries are really important issues to address. So I love those books for that. Uh, And I was telling them that in Boundary Boss, there is actually a portion about scripting um, suggested conversations. So that's something um, that I do with my clients as well to kind of help them get into that practice of um, suggested things that they may want to say, Uh, especially if you're doing something like ending a soul contract or if you have a karmic type relationship with someone. Um, I know in my podcast that I posted last night, which is on my YouTube channel, and I've now been uploading it like through Spotify and Anchor and stuff. So you can find that on my channel. Um, But the one that I uploaded last night was about Um, retrogrades and redo energy and how a lot of things tend to resurface for us, how we could either be resistant to redo energy, which is suggested during a retrograde, or we could be romanticized by it. Because a lot of people fall into um, the archetype way from Hollywood movies and from books that says, um, you know, the romanticization of rewriting uh, or reuniting with someone. And um, that's not necessarily going to be everyone's path or experience, but sometimes we're so busy looking backwards that we forget that even if we want to come back around to a certain person, we don't want those old versions of them anyway. We want the new versions where we're both healthy and get to stay together. So um, it's a it's about and a half hour. You know, last yeah. night I was watching an old Cal Burnett uh, episode, and uh-huh. uh, it, it was uh, it was a takeoff on the Arabian Nights, and mm-hmm. very very funny. And uh, she had a ring, and a genie appeared, and the genie was Tim Conway, who was a five thousand year old man, mm-hmm. and uh, and she the first two wishes she blew off. And then she said, I wish that you were gorgeous. And all of a sudden he turned into Lyle Wagner. And then she said, we're going to go and make mad passionate love. And he said, but remember, I'm still 5,000 years old. Mm. (laughs) As he's shuffling up the stairs. Yes. Be careful with gin and trickster spirits. I I don't recommend them. Wow. I want to recommend another book, and I love this book. It's called The Power of Who. And this book, it it says, you already know everybody you need to know. I mean, a lot of people, uh, I mean, the circle that we keep, there's an expression that you are a reflection of the five most people that you hang out with the most. Uh, I may be screwing that phrase up a little bit, Uh, but it's true of who we are with. and uh, that. Um, could we do a little energy work before we wrap up tonight? Do you mind? Sure. And yeah. also, if anybody wants to dive more into that subject that you just brought up, that's something also called soul groups. I do have several podcasts on my channel about shifting soul groups. So be aware that if you are looking at the reflections of 
those five or however many people and you're not liking the reflection on you anymore, you could be growing at a different rate. You might be completed the karma with that particular group uh, and you might be growing in a different direction. So know that you do have the power to, with love, release yourself from soul groups or the contracts of certain soul groups. Maybe you maintain contact at a distance or at holidays or respectfully, um, but you can switch up your group. You also want to be aware to have a group that is a mix of both where you are, where you want to be. Um, it's, it's not necessarily healthy, in my opinion, to have an echo chamber of people all at the same level or all of the same ideas or mindset. You you want to speak with people who have accomplished things that you want to accomplish. You want to speak with people with different opinions and who can respectfully uh, give you their opinion and also respect your boundaries and your needs and have things be um, what's called an interdependent relationship yeah. rather than codependent styles with groups. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up tonight, and thank you all for, and thank you, Danielle, for keeping things flowing. Yes. The spirit world, uh, whatever that big boom was in California, and uh, I hope everything's okay uh, for both uh, uh, Alan and, uh, you know, and everyone out in California. I know yes. you're going through a lot right now. So uh, uh, hold, on, hold on tight, everyone. Uh, but whatever that boom was, I felt it here <laughs> because it just knocked me completely off the moment he said that. Um, I want to talk about the two carols. Okay. Uh, uh, today uh, would have been uh, Carol Cook's 99th birthday. Wow. And uh, she passed away just a few days ago, uh, just shy of her 99th birthday. And tomorrow is the anniversary of Carol Channing's passing away. And Carol passed away just a few days shy of her 99th birthday. And interestingly enough, Carol Channing, Carol Cook, Angela Lansbury, all part of the Jerry Herman group, uh, they all uh, passed on just before their 99th birthday. So I call it this Carol energy that's swirling around me today. And maybe that was part of what just happened. Maybe oh, that yes. It happens all the time. Spirit stands too close to the camera and it messes with things. And of course, Carol and Carol were very much a part of San Francisco. Carol Channing, uh, San Francisco was Carol Channing's hometown. So mm. maybe that was the, uh, <laughs> the big boom that we just heard there as well. So I just wanted to ask, you know, what, if, if anything, that you pick up on. And uh, then I will give my uh, closing remarks and I'll give you the final word tonight, Danielle. Sure. So I'm actually seeing Benny. So I'm seeing that he's been picking up on a lot of spirit. Uh, he gets maybe more recognized visits than you, not necessarily more visits, but <laughs> he's been being played with from spirit. Uh, I am feeling... I guess I'll refer to them as their last name since they're both Carol. I am feeling a big okay that Carol Cook is okay. Um, just for anyone else who's aware that may have loved ones that pass around 
um, not necessarily even 99, but before a big birthday, no matter which decade that is, that does tend to mean that souls make the decision not to need to go into starting a new phase. So nines, of course, are the end of a cycle. Um, but even if it's 56, let's say, and they don't make it to, to 60, there's a decision that the soul makes to not start something that they don't necessarily want to finish. It's also why we were talking about there are a lot of passings around the end or beginning of a year. So um, thank you all for the prayers from earlier. Uh, and, um, you know, my prayers as well to anyone who has a, a loved one's passing anniversary or is dealing with the passing of people around this time. Please know that it is a decision that the soul makes not to put a damper on holidays, but just because they make the decision. They don't want to start a new cycle. Um, but I am feeling a big okay from Carol Cook that she's fine. She's transitioned uh, very peacefully. Um, I don't feel that they're necessarily in the same wavelength at this time. So in my experience, we still continue to ascend different levels as spirit, and we still continue to learn on the other side. Um, they can speak with one another, but they're not residing on the same plane. So that's just some information for you to know, because you may feel them differently or get different types of signs from them. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Thank you, Alan, for that. Yeah, 2009, we were together, you know, with Car uh, and that was very interesting because Carol Channing was supposed to be there that night, and she fell and broke her hip. Wow. And she was not able to be there, but Carol was there. Yeah, I'm also feeling a sweater from one of them, like a, a very thick, chunky knit, mm -hmm. cozy sweater. So I don't know if you have a memory of one of them uh, in a sweater like that, but they're bringing it up um, both as a symbol for them, but also as a symbol that maybe whoever has or gets those sweaters or just has ones of their own like that, they can use them to connect in and feel like they're getting a hug from them. Oh, that's good. Yes, that's great. Did you have a question in particular? No, that's great. And uh, and I just recently sold uh, a Cecilia Sisson coach that belonged okay. to Channing, so that went on. So maybe that's... You know, it what, could be that as well, because I felt like the, the chunky up around the neck. So did it yes. have anything up around oh, the neck? Yes, yes. Okay. I'll send you a photograph. So okay. So, yeah. That. So that would be a validation of that. I don't have something in my database that would be close to that. So they got as close as possible with this one. Great. I'll send you that. So I want to uh, thank you for being here tonight. And again, yeah. that strange energy that uh, just permeated the room for a moment. Uh, and it was it was it was very unique uh, because it happened the moment that uh, Alan said that there was a big boom in San Francisco. So whatever that was, it reverberated right here. So uh, just and he's still feeling more thunder. So I'll speak quickly. So anyway, careful, um, I want to thank you all for being here. Um, it's been a unique week. Um, uh, I had a very uh, a uh, unique thing happened the other night. Uh, one of uh, my dear friends, uh, Hal Parker, who owned a frame shop uh, in Nyack, passed away this week as well. And 
I was not on a list or anything, uh, but Danny had received something. And going through it very quickly, we thought the wake was on uh, Thursday night. So mm-hmm. we went to the funeral home. I go in and uh, I don't recognize anyone. And it's like, and I said to the funeral director, I think I'm at the wrong place. And he said, well, who are you looking for? And I said, Hal Parker. He said, that's next Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So Danny and I left and we ended up going out to dinner, but I came home and there was a movie on. Uh, it was a city Lumet film uh, called Braverman. Mm-hmm. And it's about a man who passed away and four men who all get together to go to his funeral. And there were several things that happened in this film, and I want to talk about this for a moment. First of all, it took place in the village. uh, They were in the village in Sheridan Square. I just did an interview, uh, and it's on YouTube. Uh, If you go to um, uh, to, uh, Gay Bars uh, and Richard Skipper, uh, I did about the gay bar scene, uh, the piano bars in the 19th century, but that whole area and where the duplex stands now was once the village gate. There was a whole scene that was filmed right there, which I never knew that that's what that neighborhood looked like, where the old stone wall, where the stone wall in it is and everything. It was just completely different. But one thing that happened, and I watched this film after coming back from the funeral home and everything, they all go to the funeral of this guy. And it turns out that they're at the wrong funeral. And uh, so it was just like, you know, art imitating life uh, on the same evening that this happened. But it, I've been reminded a lot. And those of you who watch the show um, is religiously the right word to use right now. Thank you all for being here over and over and over again. But I always stress to reach out to a friend because you're not going to you're not promised tomorrow or the next day or the day after that to make that phone call. But I've had these um, messages that have just been sent uh, sent to me throughout the week. My uncle Bill passed away. Um, He would have been 89. Uh, Carol Cook, Hal Parker and then Lisa Marie Presley. Um, uh, also, uh, 54 years old, uh, today, the son of evil Knievel, uh, passed away, uh, just a year younger than myself. Um, these are just these constant reminders of how fragile our lives are. Uh, Carol and I, God bless her, Carol Cook. We had a wonderful conversation, uh, on Christmas day. Uh, and I will always cherish that. Um, I received a beautiful handmade card from her and her husband, Tom, uh, for Christmas this year. Uh, that will always, uh, I will always cherish. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. So it's important that we do take the time to reach out with a phone call and uh, that we take the time to let those that matter know that we matter. I reached out to a mutual friend of mine in the house uh, to let her know that I was very, very sorry. And she responded with a text message. Really, folks, are we that busy that we can't pick up the phone to call to share our grief? I've said this before, and I will say it again. I 
require, thank you, Kasira, more than just being an item in a newsfeed. And I think that we all desire that and require that. And it's important that we share these moments with each other because this is all that we have. It's moment to moment to moment. Uh, create your vision boards, create a great vision uh, for the year I have on my screensaver, um, this thing that uh, it says, uh, for the next year, I will be the best Richard Skipper that I can possibly be. I changed that to say for the next hour, I will be the best Richard Skipper that I can possibly be. When the phone rings and I answer the phone, I always answer the phone before I even answer with these words, open heart. That whatever comes at me, I have an open heart and I deal with it. Um, let's all just constantly be connected with one another. Thank you all for being here tonight. You all mean the world to me. And as you all know, as I always say, whatever that boat in a storm is, make sure that you've got that skipper by your side. And with that, Danielle, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you for being here. And we'll do this again next month. Yes, we'll make a time. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you so much. And yes, I see Alan's comment that the light, the lighting is flickering. I don't know what that is. My lights are constant. So it's, it's spirit just at play. Um, but I'm sending prayers as well to those that Richard has lost during this time. And like I said, please, let's keep each other in mind that this is a time when a lot of people do choose to transition. Um, Lisa Marie in particular, uh, I know was a shock to a great many people. Um, but I, you know, see the connection in, in all of that, in everything. So uh, she chose to make one great last stand for her soul, for being there at the Golden Globes before her passing. Uh, a lot of people will do that, if you notice. They'll seem to have one surge of energy. They'll check something big off the list before they pass. So if you have a, a person in your life that passed and you could think back, what is that thing that they checked off before they left us? And focus appreciation on that. Sometimes that can help you with your transition as you mourn them and as you step into that place of being without them. Uh, I do also want to um, talk about the fact that next weekend on the 22nd, we go into Chinese or Lunar New Year. So I know January is a difficult time for a lot of people making this transition from one year to, the no to another. I particularly never feel like it's very much of a new year until we hit that um, lunar new year point. As a matter of fact, the first podcast of mine that I did this year in this January was talking about the fact that we have many chances at new year and many chances to start again. Uh, so we have the Gregorian calendar new year that we just hit at the start of January. Then we tend to have the Chinese or lunar new year opportunity to start fresh again. Then in March, when we hit Aries season, as Sherry Callahan knows, we have astrological new year. And then all the way towards the end of the calendar year in around September, we have Rosh Hashanah or Jewish new year. So please know as you're making your vision boards or as you're going throughout your life and setting your intentions, you always have the opportunity to start fresh. As Richard was saying, tomorrows aren't promised, but every next day that you get, you have the opportunity. Every next minute you get, you have the opportunity to start again. If you can release that attachment to the way that things have been or the way that you think they should be, 
and step into that place where you get to make decisions and get to allow it to be a different way, that can be a new beginning. So I know a lot of us tend to have anxiety around um, setting intentions sometimes, whether or not we will receive those things can be a point or a source of wounding. Um, Trust the process, but also trust you doing it your own way and in your own time and in your own timeline. You don't want to create a vision board or go into a self-development, self-help book, or even working with someone like myself under such stress and pressure and tenseness and anxiety. So of course, self-help and self-development can help you address that anxiety, but as you are creating and setting intentions and manifesting things, you want to try to drop as much of that as possible. Go into something like play first, play some music, dance, watch a favorite movie, and then do it a little bit more nonchalantly. Remember also, as you're creating a vision board, it doesn't necessarily have to be the time that you're activating it because that can be stressful to try to um, place it in and create the manifesting energy all at the same time. That's something I found for myself and with clients. Maybe create it first and then sit with it in time to activate it and meditate on it and think about actually receiving it. Uh, In NLP, we have something where we think about a yes, not necessarily attached to anything, but think about that energy of receiving a yes before you go into setting an intention or doing something that you want or have to do so that you carry that positive response and the expectation for that into whatever you're doing. So those are all little helpful tips and techniques that I hope help you on your journey, whether you are mourning or releasing something or whether you are creating something. I'm so glad that you took the time to be here with us tonight. As I said, you can find more of my work on my podcast, on my channel at These Enlightened Edits. Uh, And if you would like to work with me personally through sessions or larger energy healing or coaching packages, you can visit my website, damseldesigns, D-A-M-C-L designs.com. I would love to work with you and I hope to see you next time. Be blessed, everyone. Bye.